Hey everyone, welcome to the No Limits podcast. My guest today is a well-known personality in the outdoors, television, and media world. You know him as one of the co-hosts of The Virtue, which airs on Carbon TV. We love The Virtue. Uh, We love their storytelling, the quality of their content. They hunt everything from whitetail to geese and ducks and turkeys. Uh, Great content and super guys. I am, of course, talking about the one, the only, T.J. Unger. Uh, We talk about the virtue and how that show operates and a lot of things that you guys don't necessarily see when you watch the show. We get into how the show got started and how the entire crew successfully functions as as a team. Um, We then talk a lot about the accident that almost cost T.J. his life. Many of you know that T.J. was in an absolute horrendous automobile accident which the doctors initially thought would cost him his ability to ever walk again. Uh, It was a very very dark and deeply depressing time and quite honestly the most difficult and emotional episode we have ever been a part of. TJ's recovery was incredible but it's the length of time that it took him to recover actually the, the 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 lack of length of time, the short amount of time it took him to recover, and what actually brought him out of the darkness that is truly amazing about this story. Uh, This is the first time that TJ has really opened up in detail about what really happened uh, during and after the accident. It was gut-wrenching, but also beautiful to see how TJ grew not only personally but spiritually as well. Uh, Anyone that doubts that God can use for good, what we perceive as tragic, we'll learn a lot from our conversation uh, tonight. TJ is a great bow hunter and all-around sportsman. He's a loving husband, and we are truly blessed to call him a dear friend and brother in Christ. So let's jump in and begin by welcoming someone who truly inspires me every single time we speak, TJ Unger. been a crazy week this is uh this is my buddy oh, white yeah. taylor white taylor apparel nice. uh, buddy from hometown he started uh it was actually an accident he was filling out his instagram page and and describing who he was and yeah. he typed out white taylor and he thought you know what i think there's something there with that brand <laughs> so he started an, uh, an apparel an apparel company an out of the stand brand so he's uh he's a good friend of mine gotcha and, uh, make some cool stuff yeah white taylor from Indiana? He is. He's from my hometown, yeah. So Wabash, Indiana. A little bitty Wabash, Indiana. And you, you grew up in Indiana, right? I did. Born and raised in a, in a little town, Wabash, on the Wabash River. Um, and uh, graduated. Went to college about 45 minutes away uh, and stuck around. Um, so I'm, I'm yeah. not far from the, the majority of my family. And this is really where we do the bulk of our hunting. And, you know, it's where the roots are. This is where we like to be. Yeah, man, that's good. I'm from a little bitty town in Louisiana. I mean, itty bitty. Yeah. And it's funny, man, growing up there, you just, like, you couldn't wait to get out. Yeah. And then when I went off and served in the Navy, I couldn't wait to get back home. Isn't it was that just, nuts? Yeah, dude, yeah, it's crazy. That's the same thing you do, you know, in, in high school and growing up, even little kids, you're like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. But 
Those yeah. are your roots. You tend to you come think back. You're miss- yeah, you think you're missing something. Right, right. Like, no, you ain't missing nothing. Dude. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's not always greener. That's for sure. You ain't missing nothing. nothing. That's right. But you were always into hunting, right? Yeah, so I actually, I started hunting, uh, you know, I was hunting when hunting wasn't cool. Is that is that ever a thing? Um, no, <laughs> I, think, I, <laughs> I think it is, man. I think I, you're right. I started hunting uh, when I was about seven, maybe seven years old, eight years old. Um, mm-hmm. My mom and dad split uh, split up, and so I lived with my mom, but we lived in kind of a rural area. Uh, and my dad put a BB gun in my hand and said, "Hey, have fun outside." Um, and that's I had a lot of fun outside tormenting the neighborhood, you know, birds, black and birds and, caught and, hell, man. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and that that did it for me. You know, there wasn't really there wasn't a whole lot of, of hunting shows on TV, but I knew that hunting existed. Um, yeah. I would even get up. I'd set my alarm at seven o'clock, something like that. And I would go out pretending like I was actually hunting, <laughs> uh, which is nuts, you yeah, know. Um, and then I went on my first whitetail hunt when I was nine. Uh, my dad put an unloaded 20 gauge shotgun in my hand and I carried an unloaded gun around an entire season, uh, just to get, you know, just to learn some respect for the, the firearm. And, uh, you know, then that next year, uh, you know, I, I actually went real full bore whitetail hunting. Um, and it's, I mean, gosh, that's been 30, almost 32 years ago. So, Which is crazy. Yeah, it makes you feel old. Yeah, yeah, it goes by awful fast. Yeah, so hunting has been a part of my life, you know, ever since I was a little boy. Um, and right. it's just been an outlet for me, you know. That's where I go to burn off steam or celebrate or everything in between those those two things. That's where my life is at, is outside, to be honest. Yeah, and was, was your whole family kind of into the hunting thing? or No. No, they think I'm crazy. Yeah, I'm I'm my, confident my that my brother thinks I'm a redneck. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I actually good point. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know. whatever redneck is, I don't know. That's right. <laughs> but my my family didn't you know, we grew up in South Louisiana, so we fished a lot, but none of, you know, really none of my family ever hunted that much. Right. I, it's it's funny, man. A lot of the guys that I have on the show and talk to them, it's like, well, I mean, I'm sure you grew up in a hunting family. Like, no, I didn't. No. How's it happen? It's it's really strange. I don't know how it skips generations, but yeah. like, so your your brother doesn't hunt either, then, Mm-mm. right? No, he's. I mean, he loves the outdoors. You know, he bikes and and uh, and all that. And my sisters, they everybody loves right. the outdoors, but not yeah. not the not the hunting feel of it. Uh, and I'm, any, I'm absolutely ate up with it, though. Yeah. I've never met anybody that hates the outdoors, though. You I've know. never met anybody that, like, it sucks being outside. No. Right. I've never heard anyone say, man, I love fluorescent lights. Yeah. You know? I I, that is my, my passion. Cubicle. Right. I love my cubicle. <laughs> You're right. What so did then, you, um, So ahead. then, you, like me, you know, you had said that uh, it skips a generation, you think. I, I agree. So my, mm-hmm. I had uncles, you know, I had a great uncle uh, that hunted. You know, and and so maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah. How'd you do it? How'd you get nobody in your family hunted else? No, I mean I had um I had a cousin that so when I was younger, um, was probably ten or eleven, maybe twelve years old. My grandparents lived in Central Louisiana, and um, that's good Cajun country up there. Mm-hmm. They get good groceries up there. <laughs> um, about about an hour and a half northwest of Baton Rouge. Okay. So kind of right in the middle of the the boot there um 
my grandfather had a big uh, a big pond in the back of his property, mm-hmm. and these ducks would fly in. I didn't know Uh-oh. what they were. Um, yeah, so um, we would go stand by these cypress trees because the, the you had to get out kind of close to the open water to get them, mm-hmm. um, and the cypress slough kind of went way back. So we, I mean, we didn't have we didn't have waders. Right. I mean, we didn't. We just went in tennis shoes and jeans, yes. and st- do like legit just stood in the water, right? Um, and shot these two ducks that came in and waded out there and got them. Ran back to the house because it was freezing. It turned out to be um, a pair of wood ducks, and you know that it that really kind of stuck with me. But I didn't get. And then I killed a pair of his Muscovy ducks, and that mm-hmm. wasn't good. Those were like, Um, I winged one of them. He was really pissed off. Yeah, I can imagine. Grandfather. uh, (laughs) But I I really didn't, like, I always, uh, I always loved, like, it seemed like kind of like the worse the weather was, like, the more I just wanted to be out there because it was kind of this wild thing. And if you, and I kind of equate it to, you know, John Eldridge, um, wrote a book called Wild at Heart. Mm -hmm. I think it ought to be required reading for every young man that's Mm -hmm. growing up now because it talks about the wild heart that our creator put in us. Mm -hmm. Um, If you go all the way back to Adam, this place was a a really wild place when God created it. And, you know, there was no Starbucks on the corners and and everything else. And um, it it says that we are created in his image. And I, I think that a wild creator puts a wild heart in his creation. Uh, but after, you know, you look at how, uh, and this is kind of an Eldridge-ism, uh, you look at young boys, like when they're five, six, seven years old, how they play. I mean, they play battle and fight and go slay the dragon, and, and right. that's, that's natural. They, they, don't have, they don't have to be taught to do that. That's natural. But as you get older and you, you know, the world kind of tames you and almost emasculates you now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you kind of lose that. And so for me, the more, the further back in the swamps I get, the darker it gets, the wilder it gets, the yeah. more I feel that reconnection with, with mind, body, and soul, the way we were created to experience it. And for me, I mean, that's just, I never knew what it was. I didn't really get in the duck hunt until I was in college and went with some, uh, some buddies and I'm mm-hmm. like, <laughs> check that box. This, this is, is where it. I am. Yeah, exactly. This is, this this is, is where it. I need to be. Right. No, that's... But I really, I really do, yeah, I really do think there's something to the reconnection of that that wild masculine heart, especially for guys. I don't yeah. know what goes on with women. Yeah, nobody, I have no idea nobody, yeah, women. nobody does. Yeah, go figure. That's a whole different book. <laughs> yeah, let's not um, get into that one. <laughs> boy, um, but I, I think that's for me anyway, and I, I think Eldridge is onto something um, that. Uh, that is our, you know, like passion of pursuit. What, yeah, we're we're pursuing waterfowl, but we're really pursuing that wild masculine heart that we were created with. That somehow the world just steps on, right, and buries down. And for a lot of guys, they don't even realize they have it, right. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, Sad. that's amazing. I mean, you know, you think about it when we don't. When, we're, when we shed away all of the day's struggles and all of the challenges and all of the bills and the stresses yeah. and just yeah. what we know is life now, right. if we right. strip all that away and, and could go back to our childhood when we are little boys, we, 
we played cowboys and indians we you know we we played army you know yeah. we had whatever it was in that adventure. that adventure yeah. that adventure and it, it you're right it was you know we didn't know it at the time but it's good honestly it was good against evil you know we don't know and yeah. sometimes you're playing both sides or whatever that's um, exactly right but that's exactly right it's i don't know it's we just get so far away from all of those things because of you know life yeah and you know life. the point he makes in that book is every good story i mean your life is a story my life is a story the guys listening to this podcast their life is a story and do you ever wonder why every good story has good and evil in it? You think of any, anything, any, any book, any movie, in a story, there's all, it's always this struggle between good and evil. And you wonder why every good story has that. It's because yours does too. Mm-hmm. Everybody's yeah. story yeah. has good and evil yeah. in it. That's, you just touched that's on beautiful. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but that, to me, that's that's if I had to if I had to label it that that is where and why and you know to to uh, grab the tangle free hashtag. This is why. That's, yeah, that's uh, right. That's why. Yeah, words, that's, Th- why. that's why. Well, yeah, yeah that why. is why. Um, when did you pick up a bow, though? Because, dude, you're like a. You're like a damn Indian with a bow. Yeah, I uh, I actually picked up a bow. So so you know I didn't come from a family with any any money by any means. My mom worked mm-hmm. you know three jobs and uh, in in the spare time when she would have that downtime, she would actually so so my dad introduced me to hunting, but my mom you know during the summer times, especially that early spring, she would take me outside and and bless her heart you know she doesn't know what to do with a little boy um but she had that same sense of adventure and and exploration and living on the river you know or or near the river in wabash um there's a lot of indian artifacts and she would take me out to the country you know especially along those those old riverbeds and we'd knock on the farmer's door and she would ask if we could walk those fields and her and I would walk miles looking for arrowheads. So there was just some sort of magic in that, you know, our ancestors were on this land and they were hunting with a stick and string for their livelihood. Their life depended on it. Mm-hmm. And and she taught me this connection at a very young age. You know, I've got a bucket full of arrowheads that, that we really? collected as a little kid. Um, and they're, so they're cool. incredible, you know, they're, they're treasures. Yeah. Um, and so I just, you know, got this interest in archery. Um, and I saved up my money. I had a, had a paper out when I was a very young boy and, uh, that money went instead of a bicycle or instead of whatever, uh, I saved up every single penny I could get. And I actually purchased my first bow. Um, it was used. It was an old bear off of somebody else. Uh, and Everybody's came, first bow is an old bear. Everybody's is an old bear. <laughs> um, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. It was all, you know, trial and error. But um, picked up that bow and just, man, loved it. And again, pretended like I was actually hunting. So I would go out. I didn't know what I'm, you know, I'm not whitetail hunting really. You play like um, you practice, baby. That's right. Exactly. That's what I, I did. That's how I learned. Um, and then finally I made a transition over into whitetail hunting with a bow. Um, gosh, I don't even know when that would have been. Maybe the late 90s, something like that. Late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. Um mm-hmm. And then started turkey hunting, turkey hunting unfolded. And then that, I don't want to say it ever got easy, you know, with a shotgun because it never, it's never going to be easy. 
but we thought, you know what? I think we can do this with with a bow. Uh, and so then unfolded a whole nother, you know, a whole nother victim to chase with with the archery tackle. So, yeah, I was going to ask you that. Um, but do you remember your first white kill, white tail kill with a bow? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember. I mean, I remember every every white tail, you know, that I've ever killed. But there's something special about the first. You know, there was the first with the gun, uh, yeah. and then the first with a bow. And there's yeah. just something something that happens there's an intimacy there with archery equipment that i feel like lacks you know with firearm um or with with any type of gun but um but yeah that's man there's something to it you know it's not just the challenge it's not just there's there's a lot to it with like i said we talked about the the traditions you know those guys our ancestors were chasing everything they could with with a bow and arrow so to to be able to reconnect with that and then also have the intimacy with the animals. They so much respect for these things, and to be able to—I don't know—it's that's kinda, that's where what? it's at. I kind of feel that way with. Um, I, I chase a lot of redfish in the marsh mm-hmm. in the in the spring and in the summer, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like that when I put the regular spinning tackle down yeah. and pick up a fly rod. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you got to get a lot closer. It takes a lot more skill. You don't just cast all over the place. I mean, it's spot and stalk. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you're it, exactly right. Yeah. I was going to ask. Just, I was actually going to ask if you fly, if you have fly fished for them. And yet that's, a, oh. for whatever reason, that's a really good example because it is. It's that intimacy, you know. I've gone crazy, TJ, because now I'm building uh, my own rods. Uh oh. Um, I'm building. I'm actually turning my own fly rods. No way. Building my own flies. You know, just yeah. Yeah. So I just you... I, I want to get just further connected with my hands. Yeah. Building the thing. Right. That brings that beautiful protein, or you know, that yeah. beautiful just white flaky slab of redfish <laughs> yes. into the house and onto the grill yes. or yeah. Um, you know, cedar. I started cedar planking them this year. Oh, oh goodness. Dude, Forget about so, it. Oh, so good. So we good. we shouldn't talk about food. It's this is going to be a long just delicious conversation if know, we go man. to the direction of food. I know, man. <laughs> but you you talked about um I feel like and maybe you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I feel like a lot of guys um get into turkey hunting, like deer hunters especially get into turkey hunting. Uh, because it, maybe it kind of extends their season a little bit, um, and it's just another reason to get out and chase something else. Yeah. Uh, and then and then they find out that it's more addicting than they ever thought it could be. Yeah. Right. Because I've never, like I told you on the phone, I've never killed one. Yeah, we're gonna change that. Well, word up, brother. Because <laughs> I, I I've been close a couple of times. Yeah. Um, because you know I've all I've 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 you know killed a lot of ducks and a lot of geese uh, and i figure oh, it's got feathers you know right exactly yeah. yeah you're gonna love it <laughs> in correct when what was and, and so i remember you were you probably or i'm gonna ask you you probably remember your very first turkey kill with a bow too yeah absolutely yeah you're so so to to go back to the beginning we're constantly chasing that adventure and constantly chasing you know that so for me whitetail mm-hmm. season was over you know and what else am i going to do now and and i'm not 
you know, I'm, I've never been a sports player. I play a little bit of soccer and I ran a little bit, but I've never been great at it. Um, right. And I lived on the complete opposite ta- side of town as all my friends. So, you know, it was outside. Um, right. So that whitetail ended up, that, that kind of evolved in like, you you know, fishing and, and whatever. And that evolved into fly fishing, but there was still something about the animals that I, I wanted to chase them um, yeah. and just have that connection. So turkey you drive, hunting. You, you drive me nuts though, dude. Because like killing killing a turkey isn't hard enough with a shotgun, right? Now, now let's make it even harder and try and kill them with a bow. Right? We actually, so we've actually now you've done that. So so what's next, TJ? I mean, slingshots. What, what? If if we if there was a slingshot season, I'd hunt them with a slingshot. There's no question. No, we. You're exactly right, though. I started out turkey hunting in a blind with a shotgun. And then we were like, you know what, let's do away with this blind. I'm not feeling nature around me, you know. In a blind, you just closed off to the whole world around. So we did away with the blinds, and now we're hunting on the ground with a shotgun. And then it was, I think we can do this with a bow, but we're probably going to need those blinds back because we moved so much. Um, So we went back to the blinds, but I just, it's not my style. Not because, you know, there's nothing against it, but... I'm not hunting just to fill my tag. I'm hunting for that experience, that connection to everything that is nature. You know, the bird yeah. sounds and the leaf sounds and everything around me. Um, so we said, you know what? We're going to try it. We're probably, we're not going to be successful for sure. Uh, but let's let's take it another step. So we actually did away with the blinds. And for the last probably four years, I think, maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've been chasing them exclusively with a bow and arrow, no blind sitting, you know, sitting on the ground. We're not even, you know, we're not even setting up natural blinds. You know, we could very easily go out and, and create a natural blind around us, but mm-hmm. we're not. We're basically running and gunning, you know, locating a bird, chasing it, getting a set up, calling that in and not having this to block this movement. Right, um, right, right. It is... I'm not sure if I can think of a harder way to do it unless I wore like, you know, red, something yeah. super bright, you know, do away yeah. with the camouflage next. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Dude, so. I'm convinced if a turkey could smell, you'd never kill one. Oh, we never would. There's n- not a chance. No, they are, they are masters at survival. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the way we've been doing it. Um, and it is a whole lot of fun. This last season, uh, it shouldn't have worked. It never should work. But this last season, it really shouldn't have worked. That bird ended up, it's the closest that I've ever been to a long beard and actually connected. Um, I think when he ran across in front of me, I don't know that he was seven steps. Not seven, not seven yards, but maybe, maybe six or seven steps. And then he stopped at that decoy and that decoy was maybe five yards away from me. Um, oh, just the way the setup was, it just didn't offer, you know, a wide open space. Um, and it, it was something, you know, to be that close. <laughs> so, That's nuts, man. Yeah. Now, so when it's a did challenge. You, when, when did you, uh, you know, when did you, when did the waterfowl bug hit you? Oh goodness. Cause that's a whole nother addiction. It, bro. it is. It's, it's a nonstop just snowball of, of my wife going, wait a minute. I thought hunting season was over. <laughs> that's, that's what this whole thing is. Yeah, but, I've had that conversation. With right. Too. <laughs> I was in college. Uh, I, I was 
getting ready to graduate and I had an internship at the company that I work for now. And, um, those guys were, you know, they had an interest in, in hunting and waterfowl. Um, and they said, Hey, we got a good friend that is just a waterfowl freak and it's early season. It's that, you know, early season resident goose hunt. Uh, Joey, I was so excited about going on my first goose hunt. I arrived in his driveway an hour early. It was completely pitch dark. <laughs> he opened the garage door, and I was sitting in his driveway. He was headed to the grocery store to get more creamer, get more coffee creamer. <laughs> That's how wound up I was about it. Roger that. So we started hunting. You know, we started hunting geese, and we didn't have layout blinds. We actually we used to use burlap. You know, yeah. we we just lay out in burlap. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, there wasn't anything fancy around here. Uh, but man, That's those right. were times when we had. You know, those were five five bird limits um mm -hmm. and we just absolutely stacked them up back then and that was just another it was just something else to go go crazy over um right. and then seeing the wood ducks fly early i'm like uh, i'm pretty sure there's a season for those and that's coming up and yeah. i want to hunt those too and yeah. then it just it just yeah. unfolds so you know it's always been uh waterfowl's always just been incredible to me mainly because the camaraderie of it you know when we are whitetail hunting obviously we're worried about scent and we're worried mm -hmm. about you know even talking and, and we're always whispering right. and spraying down and and so you don't yeah. get you don't get that same interaction and then turkey hunting same thing you know you can't really be loud and just you know have that same fellowship but waterfowl mm -hmm. dude you're I'm taking yeah. coffee i'm taking yeah. snacks right. and we right. are hanging out it is yeah. it is all of us it's that fellowship connection nobody really for the most part is on their phones so right, right. it's it's this and yeah. then when a wave of birds you get that volley to come in and bang 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 high five ha 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 awesome taking pictures mm -hmm. that's yeah. what does it for me that for, really does it for me for us it was really it was a natural um it was a natural ministry for us uh just because you know, you have times where you can just sit there and look at what's going on and have a conversation about what's going on in a guy's life mm -hmm. um, that you can't have really if you're in a climber right. or you can't have if you're in a ground blind trying to kill turkeys. Right. Um, you just, it just lends itself to experiencing what what the creator actually did when yeah. he created this place. Yeah. Um, you know, inevitably we'll be out with guys and you know that's my favorite time of the hunt is when the decoys are set and it's you know 15 20 minutes before shooting light and you're leaning against a tree i can get my thermos pour myself a cup of coffee and you know when especially like we're in the timber you know you can look up and there's no light pollution and like you can actually see the milky way yeah you can see it right and someone will say like you know that actually that's my favorite verse of scripture it's psalm 8 3 and 4 it says when i consider the works of your fingers the moon and stars which you've created what is man that you're even aware that he's here and i'm like i've had that same feeling that you look at how big everything right. is and you're like how do you even know or care that i'm breathing right right, right, now? right. and out of all of this you know your word says in in ephesians it says we are his masterpiece and if you look at Genesis, not to get super biblical, but mm -hmm. when you look at Genesis and you look at creation on the first day and the second day and the third day and the fourth day and the fifth day, but then you get to day six. And creation, it just keeps building on itself, and it's just more grand and more grand. And then the very last day, his I mean, Scripture says his masterpiece is us. 
That's that. And he looked at that and said, that's very good. And I'm like, you know, that's just – and so guys will say, man, you know, how can you look at that sunrise and say there's no God? Well, that's that's easy. You can't. Right. That simple, simple answer there yeah. is, yeah, you, is can't. you can't. And so for, for us, waterfowl just – it naturally lent itself to ministry work. Yeah. Um, it, it was a – it, it was a very natural, you know, thing to just kind of back into and say this is kind of what we wanted to do because, you like you said, you you it doesn't you don't have to worry about scent. You don't have yeah. to worry about oh they're going to wind us or right. you know it's just you don't have to worry about guys talking or you know whatever. You just let it rip, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. It is cool. I will never ever forget the very first time I stumbled on Passion of Pursuit. And I thought, all right, yeah, this is gonna feed feed what I need right now. I'm I'm looking for some waterfowl, you know, some waterfowl shows, yep. and popped yep. it in there and started watching. And dude, what you guys did from taking, you know, the story and the experience of the hunt and and taking people along, and then sharing the message as it flowed through with the experience of the hunt. Oh man, dude, that was I texted everyone and said you've got to check i sent it to my own mother and said you have to watch this you have to because it is it's a perfect for me a perfect explanation of of what we do out there you know now don't get me wrong we you know not to that extent you know because not all of us are are you know as well versed and and whatever but just the experience of it all and being able to share that together it's that is incredible. It oh, is incredible man, I stuff. Appreciate you coming from you, coming from you and, and your guys. That's uh, that's quite a compliment. Um, contrary to what most people think, though, you you do have a nine to five job. I do. So, so yeah, you, you, you don't just get to hunt as your primary source of income. Lots right. of people think that, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the majority the majority thinks that, which is just crazy. Uh, but that's yeah. that's not the case. And sometimes I'm glad it's not the case because that's really that's my right. outlet. Um, yeah, it is, you know, there's a professional aspect of it. Um, but it's, that's still my outlet where I can burn off steam of, of the daily, you know, mm-hmm. the daily stress of my real job. But I've, mm-hmm. I've actually, I've got a, a consulting company, um, we're a national provider of occupational health, uh, safety and federal environmental, uh, regulations. So, so consulting, um, basically assisting with employers to maintain compliance, um, right. but ultimately keeping their employees safe and health healthy um, yeah. and the environment clean. Um, I've been doing that for 17 years, I think. I started out as an wow. intern. Started out as an intern with a group of buddies, and the company grew exponentially very fast. Um, and we went through a couple of acquisitions. Uh, oh, that's a, always An so occupational fun. healthcare company, an insurance company and a few others. Um, but through all those transitions, you know, we just grew foundations, you know, and, and got resources that we wouldn't have otherwise had, you know, we were small business. We still are small business, but, Mm -hmm. um, learned what we could along the way from companies like Humana, um, Mm -hmm. and took a lot of the tools and resources that we were provided. Um, and then we were, uh, we were afforded an opportunity to purchase that business back. So me and the same core group of guys that we started with, with, you know, in 2001, it, it all yeah. came back around full circle and, and we were able to, to purchase the company. So, you know, in oh, a quick, man, what a gift. it's a crazy, crazy way around things. But, um, 
you know, went from being an intern and not really knowing what I wanted to do for, for a career to, you know, being given an option to an opportunity to, to become right. a partner in this business. And it is, you know, I'm, I do love taking care of people. It's that, that person factor. I love the connections and, and, you know, that stuff, but at the same time, it's still a job, you know, so I need that outlet. Um, and, and, you know, you know me, I'm not shy. Uh, and so, you know, I'm able to make some connections, um, and and spend, you know, quality time outside, um, and through relationships and, and just meeting people and some opportunities. I, I kind of, I started a tangent, you know, a tangent profession kind of, outlet you know that's just running right alongside um i try not not to let it take too much you know too much of mm-hmm. my time um mm-hmm. we have a great group uh but it's uh it's a lot of fun that's that's really where i'm 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 burning that steam off yeah yeah but there you know what there's an interesting kind of cross-pollination between your environmental interest of your nine to five yeah. and what you do on the virtue right yeah yeah you're exactly right yeah so my, I mean, there's you know, a natural kind of meshing there. Yeah, my passion has always been, you know, the sciences and and you know the arts and and that sort of thing. So where I've where I've gone with my career, you know, was natural because that's where you know that's where I've studied. That's where I've spent my time, you know, developing professionally. Mm-hmm. But with the virtue, I'm able to have that same passion for the outdoors, the same, you know, real foundational you know approach to conservation you know Mm -hmm. um and people connections and and that um and so now you know i I really kind of am responsible for the business side of the virtue so the marketing and branding and um a lot of the Mm -hmm. social you know social management and that sort of stuff um but a big part of it is really field produce, you know, field producing. So taking the camera out yeah. there and, and trying to capture, you know, what we're doing, you know, you just, run the camera too a lot, don't you? I try. Yeah. I love, I love shooting, you know, shooting pics and, and, and videoing, you know, it, for me, it's telling the story. It's when I watch yep. a show. So when I'm watching passion or pursuit or, or whoever it is, anything that I'm watching, I'm watching it because right now I'm not hunting. And so through you, you're taking me on that trip and I'm, I'm right there with you guys in Kansas or, or wherever you're at. Oh, man. And, and that to me, that's, that's, I love that. If you can tell a story and, and be able to captivate somebody and bring them along. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a lot of fun. A lot that's, of fun. We, um, like I said, we had, um, hipster wood, woodsman on, um, the last podcast. And we talked a lot about that. The, the difference between just, taking pictures Mm -hmm. and creating authentic content that takes the viewer or the consumer of that image Mm -hmm. and really makes them feel what you were feeling, smell what you were smelling, taste what you were tasting. You know, is is it cold? I can feel by looking at that image that it was freezing. Right. And there's just the guys that do it well. um, You know, you guys do a beautiful job of it. I mean, I think you have guys like Joseph Edwards with Hipster. You got mm-hmm. guys like Cody Goff with More Than a Calling, mm-hmm. Wade Shoemaker, Brian, certainly the Brian I work with. Yeah, they're just they got a just a man. They see things like Brian sees things with a camera that, and I was standing right next to him. I didn't even know was like like where'd that little bird come from? He's like, dude, he landed on your shoulder. You know, I don't know. I don't see it. Heck, man. But uh, the, there is something about being able to tell a story through 
an image or a series of images, which is video, mm-hmm. um, that just it's a it's 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 a difficult thing to learn. And I think some guys are just kind of born with that eye. I mean, yeah. they develop their own. I was saying last. I was saying on the last podcast that I can look at, um, like I can look at an image from Cody Goff mm-hmm. and know that that's Cody's. Yeah, because he's got a very distinct um, style and the way he frames things and mm-hmm. the way that the the just the you know, you look at the, I can I can kind of tell who shot it just by looking at it. Yeah, not always, but you know. Right. And by the same token, I can look at other work and go, man, that looks like uh, that looks like Wade Shoemaker. Yeah. You know, and sure enough, that's, yeah. that's who it was. So. Isn't that awesome? It's so yeah, cool that you know to get to a point where you've got you're capturing you know an image and telling a story, but you're putting your fingerprint on it. You know, yeah. it has your identifiable, singularly identifiable mm-hmm. fingerprint on that just by looking at it and going, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's. You know yeah. that's rock, that's Rock House. There's no right, doubt right, about right. it. Or whoever, right. um, that's that's an achievement. You know, knowing how mm-hmm. tough it is to to do this stuff, uh, that's an yeah. achievement. When you have a recognizable fingerprint on on what you do, man. Yeah, yeah. And those okay. guys, those guys that you rattled off there, they're incredible. They do a they're great top job of the at list. it. They're definitely top of the list. Definitely. Talk about. Um, the virtue and just kind of what because we'll we'll dig into you know the whole thing but talk about like the ultimate goal of the show to just kind of lay it out for first of all if you haven't seen it i don't know what rock you've been living under um (laughs) but just talk about the the show and kind of the concept and the goals behind which you guys want to really accomplish with it yeah so we've we are in our sixth season uh as the virtue um i uh i actually i met philip I met Philip Vanderpool probably 12 years ago, maybe. Great dude. Uh, super great dude. He has the biggest heart of anybody that I've I've ever met in my entire life, and, and I've you known can him. Tell you can tell that without yeah, with no. Like I've question. never met him, and I can tell that. Yeah, he is genuine. Salt of the earth. That man is genuine. Uh, and, and I met him a long time ago, and I was always a big fan of Philip's. Um, watching. You know, Hunter Specialties and, and the emotion that he shared and the story that he was able to tell, uh, I was a huge fan. And I, I actually met him at National Wild Turkey Federation at their annual convention. Uh, it was mm-hmm. the last year that it was in Atlanta, so that probably was 12 years ago, I bet. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually sat down at a table. And this is before, you know, I, I you know, photoed stuff and, and filmed stuff on my own, but never really did anything with it. Um, right. And happened to get a ticket for a banquet just a dinner because I didn't have any other dinner plans. So I was very late to the party uh, mm-hmm. and sat down at this table and in walked Philip and he sat down right next to me. Michael Waddell come over and he sat down next to me at the table. Craig Morgan and then Miss America and all of these guys all of a sudden I'm surrounded and I'm not I'm not kidding. There wasn't another non like famous dude other than me for at least 40 yards. I, I obviously have no business being amongst this group of, of guys and girls, but uh, Philip and I struck up just an outstanding relationship right off the bat. Um, you know, he's he's very outgoing and kind-hearted and generous, and uh, next thing I knew, we were swapping telephone numbers, um, and we ended up setting up 
uh, a hunt together uh, for Oklahoma. We did a, a combination whitetail hunt for archery and their their late season muzzleloader hunt. So I actually uh, I brought my dad with me. Uh, my dad and I went out there. And he had just uh, just overcome uh, a couple year battle with prostate cancer. Um, oh, so wow. kind of as uh, hey, you've beat this thing. Let's let's do a trip, God, uh, dude. That's so. It, rare. You're exactly right. It was it was something, um, and and a really cool trip oh, to man. to get to you know to spend together. Um, you know, yeah. ultimately he's the one that that really at least pushed me to say, hey, there's something called hunting. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so we went on that trip with Philip and filmed it all for a show that Philip was a part of on Sportsman Channel. Um, and it was just, it was an excellent hunt. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And again, all that camaraderie and sharing camp together. Um, mm-hmm. And then somehow things kind of transitioned over. Um, and we had an opportunity uh, to join the digital world. So things were just starting out, you know, with YouTube maybe. And What year was that? Uh, you think? That probably was 2010 maybe, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2009 Mm -hmm. maybe I can't remember Um, and so we started a partnership with Realtree Um, so Hunter Specialties kind of made some changes Uh, Philip left those guys you know parted ways in a a really good way you know great relationships Mm -hmm. still but just a different business model Um, and so Philip pulled me in and said hey we want to do this with uh, producer Dave Voise, um, who Dave's a super good guy. Uh, right. And we started producing a digital, a digital series, um, and we piloted it through Realtree.com. Um, right. The, uh, the response that we got was incredible. You know, the numbers that we were pulling from the Internet were just, they were so much further than what we were getting when we were on Sportsman. And, and the, yeah. the dollars, you know, Without the cost. Without the outrageous cost. Um, so we were able to have this pretty cool, you know, pretty cool avenue uh, to start the direction of, of this new show. Um, mm-hmm. Dave and Philip are, they are very strong, faithful men. Um, they are active in ministries. They are very strong faith guys. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I was obviously humbled to, to be a part of that. Um and so they right. wanted to start a show uh, that wasn't just about, you know, a single, you know, a guy going and hunting. You know, just it's it's not about, oh, you know, I'm headed out and going hunting, climbing the tree stand and it said west, southwest wind and, you know, whatever. Uh, right. But more right. sharing the experience with with somebody that might not otherwise be able to, whether it's a veteran or uh, underprivileged or whatever it is. Um, but being able to share those experiences with others. So that was kind of the model of it. Um, Mm -hmm. And we bounced around ideas for names and, and Dave and Philip stuck with the virtue that they kept going back to that because, you know, it was the concept or the idea of sharing the morals and the values and the ethics that we have as, as strong faith men with Mm -hmm. others and not being, you know, not being afraid to, to voice that and to show it through the gift of, of outdoors. Um, and that's, that's really how it unfolded. I was involved, you know, and you know, I'll be honest at the time I've always, you know, I've always been a faithful guy, but I've never worn it on my sleeve. I've never been the guy to, you know, to even really pursue too much. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, here's an opportunity to, to participate and to, you know, listen and learn and grow. Um, 
and that's kind of where it's been. So Dave was a part yeah. of it for a year, um, but Dave got pulled in a lot of other directions. So Philip ended up buying the Virtue, and um, and he and I have, have partnered up on it for the last five seasons. Um, and mm-hmm. that that same mission that that Dave and Philip had has just grown so strong now. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity. I took my niece, who her mom and dad, they're city, you know, they're city people. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, football star and cheerleader, and, <laughs> and that's all they know. And I took, I right. took my niece, who's my goddaughter, um, mm-hmm. on her first ever hunt uh, a couple years ago. You know, I, I thought, you know, this is going to be a stretch. But, Isabel, what do you think about going hunting with Uncle TJ? Um, yeah. And, and shared, shared her first turkey hunt. Um, and it was just like the mission that we're talking about. It was incredible. Uh, she she got one? her first turkey. Um, and, and her first hunt on her first her turkey. Her first hunt and her first turkey. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was a. Whatever. It was incredible. <laughs> and and this that we're talking about that fellowship and sharing this and sharing that mission. You know, we went over to that bird and we're taking pictures and we're just capturing all of it and. You know, for somebody, she'd never been in front of a camera by any means. And she stopped, and she looked at me, and she said, TJ, would it be all right if I said a prayer? Dude. Oh, dude, that's so good. Right, right. She's, you know, she's a 14-year-old, you know, teenage girl. Um, And to have those values, dude, she's leading me at this point, you know. So there we did. We we sat down over that bird, um, and she vocalized you know her prayer um thank you god for for this time that that you know me and her got to spend together and the memories that that we're making and and you know it just that that is hugely touching like i said that's she's leading me at this point you know um right pretty incredible yeah man that's um it's humbling too no doubt yeah because then you're like, why? You know, I should have been the one that stepped right. up and said, right, we, right, <laughs> right. But there's, I've been there, yeah, man. There are those special people out there, and there's, you know, she's definitely one of them. Um, but those are the experiences. You know, sometimes we lead, and sometimes we don't. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's opportunities. You yeah. know, God gave me the opportunity to be able to, you know, and the gifts and tools to take her out there. Um, mm-hmm. But just to have that completely uninterrupted connection and you know and give yeah. thanks yeah that'll get me take us through uh what planning and executing a typical episode is like so like from concept to carbon TV, <laughs> because most people i think no i know most people have uh no idea what goes into what they eventually see in a like a, a thirty minute yeah. you know episode? Yeah. I know that because most people have no idea what goes into making an eight sec right. uh, an eight minute episode. Right. <laughs> so take us through just so people understand that it's not just show up, ju- just the the planning and logistics and operations yeah. and all the different moving yeah. parts. So you know we're we have the benefit that we have a lot of farms and a lot of access to, to ground that, that we can hunt on. Um, but when it comes to, you know, it, it's not about planning the hunt anymore. We, we don't really have to do that. Now, don't get me wrong. We're still figuring out strategies and, and how we want to set up and where or whatever. But what we are trying to figure out is, all right, what, what sort of direction do we want to take? Um, we don't do anything scripted. So, so we're not... 
you know, we're not sitting down saying, hey, let's film this and let's go say this. And, and we need to, we need to say these exact words. It's not that it is. What we're going to do is we're going to get together the night before we're going to lay out all of our equipment, run through batteries, make sure we've got clean cards. All of our settings are, are consistent across the board. Somebody needs to shoot in 120 because slow motion is just awesome. So there's those, you know, those little intricacies that, that we're messing through. Um, but yeah. ultimately, you know, we are, we are filming everything. You know, we yeah. have, we've got this idea that there's not such a thing as too much footage. Uh, if it doesn't get used, it doesn't get used. But what happens, right. especially when we're taking children, uh, you can't get the kid to say something again with the same delivery that yeah. that it had the first time. So it's right. about capturing that moment as as a kid, you can't get me to say it the same <laughs> right. way the second time. Right. Brian's like, no, do it the way you just did. I'm like, I don't yeah. I don't know what I right. did. Exactly. <laughs> so so, you know, we're we're running through that stuff. Um and then, you know, what we end up doing is if we're successful or if we're not we end up having to organize all that content out to days to, you know, encounters to, you know, incredible audio mm-hmm. or, or whatever it is and organize all that out so that ultimately when the structure of how you store it to where you can go back and retrieve yeah, it is mind blowing. It is. You can't just dump a card and then come back the next day and dump a card and just expect. So it's, it's nope. a ton of filtering through content. Um, what we end up doing is then sending a, a pretty organized format uh, onto our producers, and they are great, great guys. Um, and they end up kind of carving out a rough direction for this. And we usually sit down beforehand and say, "Okay, this, these are the nuggets. You know, these are these gold nuggets that happened, and and mm-hmm. we should try to to kind of center it around that that sort of event." Um, and yeah. then and then work it's through. so much easier to let the story tell itself yeah, you're exactly right you're right when the story just tells itself i mean we went through that where okay so this episode is going to be about this and this and then this is going to happen and that's going to happen and then you're going to say this and then we're going to cut to it never it never right. ever i mean we learned that in this, in our very second episode right. that if you try and script it on the way up it ain't going to happen no no, it's it's never going to happen exactly like we want it to. Every anything that that could go wrong is going to go wrong. Um, so mm-hmm. you know we we let it unfold and the story tell itself. Um, and we're not scripting it. You know, I don't care what hunt it is. I don't care what experience it is. You know, we had a very special hunt. I had a very very special uh, hunt, um, a fall turkey hunt, uh, and and it shouldn't it shouldn't have worked. Um, it, it really shouldn't have just the way that it that it was, but I think I know the one. Yeah, I, I think so. And it, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about that. <laughs> but save that. Yeah, dude. so that's that's one of those that that you got to sit back after it happens and you go, you know what? That was scripted for us. You know that that happened and unfolded. Somebody else made right. that happen, and, and we need to totally. share that. So that's totally that's kind of the direction. That's that's kind of the format for it. Um, so it's what's your what's your what what is your crew like? Let me ask you that. <laughs> so we've got so obviously Philip and I are are kind of kind of yeah. leading the way, but um, we have a team of of just super great friends, um, and, and we all kind of have that same passion, that same drive, um, 
and and everybody for the most part everybody just shares in that same good-hearted nature where nobody right. is about themselves it's not about an ego it's not about who gets more right. airtime in front of the camera or, or whatever um mm-hmm. you know so so for me here at home i'm hunting with my best friends uh, these are the guys that they're they're my ride or die they are the guys that that got your back no matter what and it just so happens that they mm-hmm. also hunt so so yeah. we get together right. um you know we actually all started waterfowl hunting together um that was our in that was where we first met yeah um and these guys you know they all have normal nine to fives um one is a lineman for the local you know local electrical provider um, mm-hmm. another one is does sales, uh, for, a a, a, comp- a local company. And another one is actually a sheriff. He was elected sheriff for, for our, our County. So, uh, and we've known each other nice. forever. Um, so we just have, you know, just a common, common passion. Um, and then we have friends kind of scattered throughout the U S. So we've got a great friend, Joshua Moore in North Carolina, actually Turkey. He lives in Turkey, North Carolina. The dude is a Turkey hunter, obviously. <laughs> well, by, I think by better default, than that. that's right. So, you know, I think what we do, you know, at the, at the most elemental level, uh, is, is number one, that drive for adventure and exploration. Um, but it's the heart, you know, it's the heart behind mm-hmm. all of it. It's not, you know, arrogance or, or, you know, testosterone yeah. or, you know, any of that. It's, Hey, I'm not afraid to cry. I'm not afraid to say, I love you. I'm not afraid to high yeah. five and, and yeah. show really what happens. And I think that's, right. that's where right. the authenticity, you know, that, that authentic nature of, of our show comes across. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's so important to have a solid crew. Ugh, without mean, a doubt. Yeah. Our crew is terrible. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, man. We've uh, but like you, you're talking about the, the you know the the camera work and then the file structures and then pulling video and then sending it off to production to have it you know color corrected and 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 everything else. Brian does all of that, dude. All of Brian it. is a freak of nature. He, that dude. He's a freak. Of <laughs> I've not had the opportunity to meet him. Uh, you will. But uh, that dude is an absolute freak with the camera. And uh, yeah. like you said, I don't know. It's just an extension of, of him and his eyes and, and everything. The dude just puts together some unbelievable stuff. Yeah. And so we're, we're blessed to work with some other guys like uh, Drew Seals, who films for uh, Nature's Eye. Uh, was with us in in Canada and helped us a bunch but for the most part all of our episodes pretty much were just were were Brian and sometimes somebody else um, that you know could at least help us shoot Mm b-roll stuff Uh, but for the most part it's Brian and a a good crew that communicates clearly openly honesty uh, honestly um, and often can can carry you through a lot of bad things a lot of bad things you know in the in the military we called it controlling the controllables right you you focus on the handful of things that are truly within your control and you adapt to everything else yeah yeah and it can't always be the same one or two guys running around making things happen eventually those guys get blown up and the mission is lost yeah, without any doubt. and so we we had yeah i mean we we had you know a because we have a field pastor in North in North Carolina, we have one in Arkansas, we have one in Baton Rouge, and we all try to get together as much as possible um, on different hunts, road trips, or whatever. And 
it uh you know we hit those bumps in the road where we weren't killing like we thought we should or um you know it just for whatever reason and i'll i'll own it maybe it was <laughs> it was me that that got the whole thing started on a sour note but we just had to get together and hug man and go it's it's not about us it it can't be about us i mean this we had a you know a ministry focus and we lost sight of that the team lost sight of its mission yeah and we just had to sit down and just say, "Look, check all that shit at the door. It's not. It, it's not important. Right. Not when you keep the goal in mind. You focus on the process, right? The the team. We just we had to sit down and go, what is going mm-hmm. on? Because I think we're focusing on the wrong things for the wrong yeah. reason. Me included. Yeah. Uh, I'll it's easy it. to it, do. Look, if some. Yeah, well, if something, I, I'm a firm believer that if if a mission fails, it fails because of leadership, not because of right. you know one individual. It failed because of leadership, and so you know teams who are goal focused and following a process to achieve a mission, you go through these bumps in the road, right? Yeah. I mean, e- even you guys, we go through right. them. So the show now the so. The show's growing, right? The the virtue is is growing, and you guys moved that to Carbon TV when? Uh, we jumped over, so we started with Carbon our second, I think our second full season. Um, so Carbon mm-hmm. TV was only in their second full year, um, and we thought, you know mm-hmm. what, let's try this platform out. Um, and and mm-hmm. through that, I think because we pulled in, you know, in a relatively infant stage, um, we were mm-hmm. able to, to start some great relationships. So um, yeah. David Farbman, you know, started Carbon. Um, and I don't know how exactly I met him or, or had a first conversation with him, but I was intrigued by the guy. Um, hugely successful business owner. Um, he was actually, he's in healthcare. His real job is, is in healthcare. Um, yeah. And, and so he has that parallel, but then is is also pursuing this passion of the outdoor industry, you know, hunting and, and outdoors. Um, so there was that mm-hmm. kind of level mm-hmm. that I was like, man, I, I got to meet this guy. I got to know more about him. Um, I read his book and, and obviously, you know, being on carbon, there was just that draw. So um, mm-hmm. David and I met, uh, I don't know, probably three years ago, I think, uh, three or four maybe. Um, over the telephone and had some conversations and then I've had the opportunity to run up to to Detroit and sit down at the table with him and just pick yeah. his brain and learn from him and whatever and he's he's a machine I mean the dude is a he's no doubt he's crazy um, crazy passionate Legit. crazy hardworking um, and just has an unbelievable vision so we've been on on carbon now I think five years um, and uh, but at the same time mm-hmm. you know what we we try to just push because of the mission behind it all we just need the message to get out there Mm -hmm. um we try to be as as many places as we can so obviously we've got our social you know we've got the social networks but we also push on youtube um which we Mm -hmm. just created just not that long ago um so Mm -hmm. we've got a youtube channel we push on uh hunt channel or yeah hunt channel tv um we submit contact um, content to Realtree for Monster Bucks, um, so we're mm-hmm. a major contributor to those DVDs. Um, and then we have a partner show, uh, Respect the Game, on Sportsman Channel. Um, so Larry McCoy and those guys—they're great dudes, uh, and they're a lot of fun to share camp with and, and learn from. Larry's been in, been yeah. doing this a long time too. 
um, he came from the HB guys. So Larry was one of the, yeah. you know, one of the first guys at, at Heartland Bowhunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for me to be able to to be, you know, following these guys down, you yeah, know, and yeah. and and learning from them, dude, it's it's awesome. It's 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 so right. cool, you know. And and again, they're yeah. just good-hearted, you know, generous, caring guys. Um, yeah, pretty pretty special. But the show took off, dude. I mean, like, everything's humming. Everything's working, yeah. right? Yeah. It's growing. Yeah. Ratings are climbing. You're getting a good following. August 19th, 2017. Pretty rough deal. Ta- pretty take us pretty through, rough take deal. Us, take us through that day. And, dude, as I said, if there's if there's anything that, you know. Yeah, no, I'm I'm an I'm an open book, and and you know if if somebody can take some inspiration from it or, or learn from it, I'm all about it. So, you know, I'm the guy that's that's happy go lucky. You know, I'm 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 loving life. You know, I'm I'm a lover, and and I like to share that. Uh, and uh, I feel like I I lived a pretty good life. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to say it was a selfish life, but at the same time, I'm just living my life. Um, and it was a Friday mm-hmm. afternoon, uh, beautiful day and headed down the highway. And, um, it's one of those things, uh, you just don't expect it to ever happen to you. You know, nothing could ever happen to, to you. Right. Um, but that right. afternoon, uh, I was faced with, uh, a life changing, uh, encounter. So a commercial vehicle, um, I was on highway. And a commercial vehicle um, actually had pulled out uh, in front of me. Uh, on it was a dump truck. TJ. It was it was a giant <laughs> giant dump yeah. truck, um, yeah. and he was loaded down with twenty three tons of of stone. Um, and I, there was just there was nowhere for me to go. Um, I had an SUV on my right, so it's not like I could also swerve. You know, if I I'm swerving to get mm-hmm. out of his way, I'm I'm crashing into a family on my right. Um, so it was just a matter. Yeah. There's there's nothing, and I end up you know slamming on my brakes and there's nowhere to go um so that truck was so heavy uh it just sucked my truck right underneath him and then spun me around and rolled me down the highway um i went how fast were you how fast were you going uh highway speed you know so 65 yeah, 60 yeah 65. right in there so i'm going with flow of traffic i'm right there with the suv on my right um so it it sent you know it sent me down the highway just over 165 feet, um, oh and uh, and when I landed you know I landed upside down. the The sound is really mm-hmm. what has stuck with me. Um, it's not the stretch of highway you know I've driven that highway since then. It's not that stretch. It's not about where it was at or anything. Um, man, it's the sounds that just I can't get rid of. Um, but uh, that impact. What was it? Well, I mean, what do you what do you remember, about dude? It? That that slamming, explosive. It was absolutely deafening, uh, and I knew it was coming. But it just the sound of the of the you know crunching metal and the explosion of everything. It it, it was as deafening as it could be. At, at the same time, it oh was an explosion, like a grenade. So incredibly loud, but also deafening. And then it all just went silent and everything went in slow motion. And I remember seeing everything come up out of the console of my truck, you know, as we flipped over and it all, it it seriously seemed like a movie. Um, And then when I finally came to rest it, you know, the truck landed upside down and it, it had actually cut um, almost a third off. I I drove a full size um, Chevy Silverado 
and it cut mm-hmm. almost a third of that truck right down. So it actually cut the whole pillar, everything off. By the grace of God, it did not take it didn't take my body. Um, I was forced off, you know, to the right, um, right after you know impact. But when right. I settled, you know, I, I I knew something awful happened, you know, and it's it's almost yeah. I didn't know what what it was, you know, I didn't know what condition I was in, um, and so I obviously evaluated my body, um, and I had gravelly stuff in my my mouth and I ended up spitting on what I thought was the roof, but it's actually the floor of my, of the cab of my truck. And I saw blood and, and I realized that's, that's my teeth. That's my mouth that just exploded in there. And then I'm like, okay, if my mouth is that bad, what am I? And my legs were just, dude, I was mangled. Uh, my left leg was turned back on itself and my shoe was up near my face. Um, and I thought it was just my shoe and then I kind of touched it, and I'm like, that's actually my leg. Like, you know, oh. and and all of this, even though I'm telling you this, and it's taking me minutes to tell you, these are milliseconds. These are milliseconds of, you know, and oh. then it hits. I'm in bad shape, man. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm in a lot of bad shape. And, Joey, I screamed out with, with the scream that – only a person in that condition could could scream. I, I couldn't do it now. Uh, and I started screaming for help. And, uh, you know, I didn't know who I'm yelling out to. I'm just yelling for help. And right. uh, it was desperate. It was absolute desperation for help. And the help screaming, help, help me now, help me now, turned into help me now. God, just help me now. Please, God, help me now. And I turned and looked, and my mom had given me a little wooden cross. It's a pocket rosary. And I happened to put it on the steering column of my truck. And as I'm screaming out for God to help me, and it's not intentional. I'm screaming out for help. It just so happened that I said, God, help me now. And I caught that flash of of that cross. And it's going to sound crazy, but this, this peace and just embrace took over my entire body and it stopped from this horrible shock to we got to do something and right i'm still i'm still screaming you know just it's a little more collected um but i was able to then actually you know consciously say there there are people outside my truck at this point Somebody please call 911. I'm trapped in my truck. I'm in bad, bad shape. Someone please call my wife. And the week prior to the wreck, uh, I don't remember where I was at, but my cell phone went dead. My cell phone battery went dead, and I tried to call my wife, and she wasn't answering. And I got home, and I'm like, where were you at? My cell phone was dead. I tried to call you. And she said, well, what number did you try? Five 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 seven seven four three. She goes, it's because mm-hmm. you did not dial my right now. That is not my number. Um, so the, the week leading up to the wreck, she tested me every day. Hey, what's my cell phone number? What's my cell phone number? Every day. In that wreck, I was able to yell out to a complete stranger, call my wife. Her number is 260-blah, blah, 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 blah. So they contacted her. She was in a meeting. She had left. Uh, you know, it was 
it was mm. just a few, you know, couple minutes um, at most, and first responders were on scene, volunteer firemen. Uh, but you're conscious the whole time. Hundred percent. I mean, you. I, I never oh, lost consciousness. Um, my truck was in such bad shape, and the metal that that was pushed into my truck was wrapped around my body. So I was I was entirely wrapped. Oh, my God. my right leg, I broke my femur, and it was it my right leg was actually wrapped in a U shape around whatever post shoved through my truck. Oh. So I I was a hundred percent trapped, and my left leg was oh, caught. Oh my God! My left leg was caught in the steering column. So when I, I pushed up, you know, to try to get comfortable and my whole lower half was, didn't go anywhere. Just my upper half lifted. Oh, um, ooh, ooh, ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, and just <sighs> minutes at most, uh, a man yelled out and said, TJ, my name is Rob and, uh, I'm here to help you. And he, he climbed in my truck and, and Joey, keep in mind the the cab of my truck isn't, you know, it's, I'm squished. And it was just right. enough for this guy to reach in and lay on his side and grab a hold of my right arm. My right mm-hmm. arm is the only thing in my body that is not broken. So we know now, you know, looking back, we know everything from my waist down. My pelvis, my hips, my femur, my both, you know, the both knees, the lower portions, the tibial plateaus and fibulas and everything is shattered from the waist down. My left side, my ribs were were broken, my left arm, my shoulder, and and my jaw. So the only thing that that was not broken and free was my right hand. And he reached in and took my right hand. And he asked me my name, and and he said, TJ, I'm I'm here to stay with you. He said, "Uh, I'm going to hold your hand until you get out of this thing. Until you get out of this mess, I'm not leaving your side. Now, was he a paramedic or just somebody? Yeah, just he was. Um, he's an EMT um, that that okay. was stationed at one of the local volunteer fire, you know, fire departments. Um, right, right. And what what touched me, even as we're sitting there talking, um, he promised me that he wasn't going to leave my side no matter what. I could have just robbed a bank. I could have just murdered someone. He has right. no idea who I am. And when, when the fire department started cutting my truck apart to try to figure out how to get me out, the weight of the chassis and the engine and everything is collapsing even further on itself. So the truck is just, it's, it's literally crunching down on us. And I look at him Mm -hmm. and he said, brother, I'm not leaving your side. And we sat in that truck and we talked about, we never once talked about if I was going to survive or not. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of times, you know, I started down the direction of, man, I don't know if my legs are attached. And he said, if they're not attached, you're still going to be okay. And and I said, well, you know what? I have seen, I have seen guys run the Olympics with prosthetic legs. And if those guys can make it to the Olympics after something terrible happened to them, I'm going to be all right. And we sat in there and had these conversations and and said prayers and just connected on that level. And that dude sat, I was trapped in my truck for almost one hour. Um, Holy moly. The flight medics, they take charge, you know, when, when the helicopter, you know, lands, those flight medics, they take, they are, they are the number one in command and they have what's called a golden hour. And if the, if the, if the victim 
if they go over that hour, the likelihood of, of the accident becoming fatal is just yeah. every minute. Skyrockets. It just skyrockets. Yeah. And we, Exponentially. we hit, I think, that 56 or 58-minute mark, and they still didn't have me out. And the flight medic said, you've got to have them out. And another guy, another volunteer fireman, crawled into my truck, and he took a hold of, of, of my left side, my left leg, and he said, TJ, my name's Mikey. I'm going to have to straighten your leg to get you out of the truck. Oh, and I don't remember this part because of, <sighs> and I said, Mikey, you do what you need to do, brother, to get me out of this truck. And, and on the count of three, he straightened it, and another fireman grabbed a hold of my other side and, and pulled me out of that truck. And when we came out, you know, you got to understand it was pitch black in, in the inside of this thing. You know, I can't see anything. And mm-hmm. so I went from the mm-hmm. darkness. I can't, I can't even see Rob and these guys. I can't see their faces. And when they pulled mm-hmm. me out of this darkness, it was blindingly bright outside. And there I was met by another volunteer fireman. And his name's Jared. And I didn't, I've never met Jared before. And Jared now has my right hand. And at this point, I go into complete shock because now my legs aren't supported. My pelvis is shattered and everything falls open. And the flight medics, oh my God. the flight medics have to cinch me back, you know, cinch that all back together. And when they did that, I completely, I completely lost it. And Jared's holding my hand and I'm screaming and, and I'm, this is the first time I'm out. And Jared says, TJ, brother, God's got this. And you're going to be hunting again before you know it. I snapped and said, how do you know I hunt? How do you know my name? Yeah. Right. And he said, man, I know who you are. He goes, I've, I watch the virtue. I'm a big fan. I, I love the, the mission you guys do. And, and I know that God's got a plan for you and you're going to be just fine. Wait, what people can't see right now is that you're smiling. Dude, it is remarkable. While you're telling this story. It is remarkable. And I, I truthfully I, I truthfully believe, Joey, that I didn't I didn't pass out so that I could remember these things. There are telling you the awful parts of this, you know, that my body is mangled and that they couldn't get IVs in me because I have no blood pressure, because I've got so many massive breaks. They oh can't they can't give me pain meds. So but in all rights I should have I should have at least passed out, but I think I was given these moments, the moments of Rob putting his life aside and, and, and holding my hand and, and, and Jared saying, God's got this brother and all of these things that have happened along the way so that I can share it. I've never, ever been the guy to ever wear it on the sleeve, on my sleeve. And in fact, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody told a joke that most people would be offended by, I would have been the first one to laugh and chime in or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. now I've been given this gift that I know I have felt the hand of God. I know what the grace of God feels like and his healing love. And I can share that with others. So they they lifelined me to the hospital. I, I flatlined mm-hmm. twice. They revived me on the way in, which is nuts. I, I didn't see any light. I'm not, you know, nothing like that. Right, right, nothing right, like right. that. And if right. you asked, I would have never known. I, I, I had conversations right. with these guys. You know, I, 
I asked how far out we were. I asked if they could fly any faster, you know. Um, and in between that, I'm out. Um, but what went from, you know, this horrible disaster to breaking countless bones and rupturing organs and a nightmare, absolute nightmare, and doctor saying, mm, I don't know if you're going to walk again, to I don't even know if we're going to salvage that leg, to, okay, you're going to be able to have those legs, uh, if you're able to walk, we're probably looking at a year uh, that you'll be able to walk unassisted, you know. Um, all of these still are opportunities for me. You know, I'm thinking, okay, um, you know, I'm going to be all right. I've seen people in worse condition. I know crazy stories. I know, and I'm, and I'm also feeling this overwhelming <clears throat> love from, from, our, from our father. Um, right. And that I've never, that I've never, I've felt it, you know, I've, I've felt the Holy Spirit in there. I've felt a calling, but I've never pursued it. And I've never announced that I know what it is. Um, and dude, I was on the fast track. I was on the fast track to healing. Thousands of people reached out because of the network that, you know, that we've got with the show and with, and with everything, thousands and thousands of complete strangers from all over the country were reaching out. And sharing their mm-hmm. love, and sharing their prayers with me, they were pray- they were prayer groups, there were missions, there were there were prayer warriors, there were all over, saying my name and and asking for God's God's healing, you know, for my body. Mm-hmm. And one thing that was just resounding through through that entire time was Godspeed. And every mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many times I saw it, and I've always heard Godspeed as Godspeed. You know, right. peace out. You know, yeah. I'll see you later. Peace out. Yeah. Um, right. And what I kind of interpret God's feed now is we're on we're on God's time and yeah. heal at God's speed. And yeah. and whatever, you know, whatever you're meant to do, it's going to happen in God's speed. And I know that that these miraculous things. So the doctors, the way that I healed, I didn't have to have surgery on my pelvis because the way things were healing, you know, it was a horribly risky surgery, but it just happened so fast. The healing process, I know I was healing at God's speed. I know it. Um, and, and the things that happened, you know, that during this journey, I know there's a reason for it. Smiling again, you know, it's because it's amazing. It's a gift, you know, know Uh, it's a gift that I've not ever had. Um, how many surgeries did you go through? I, I, Uh, I have no idea. Um, I I really don't know. You know, I, I have no idea. You know, they had to, what good, dude, what, so let me, before, what goes through your head when a doctor says, I don't know if you're going to be able to walk again. That's tough, man. Stuff, um, you know, it's it's tough for me because of w- the way I am. You know, I'm an adventurer. Yeah. You know, I want to be outside. I want to climb. Yeah, dude, we it. just spent the last it. hour and a half talking yeah. about that. Um, but I think what I took comfort in is the people around me and yeah. and the fact that I knew that if. If I had to be in a chair or, or whatever, I was still I knew that they would lift me up and get me out there and, and do do what they could to to get me back to that passion, you know, to get me back outside. Um 
you know, before, you know, I said that I feel like I was a good person, you know, before the wreck. I wasn't a bad guy, mm-hmm. um, but I did lose some sense of, I guess, common love, you know. Uh, I feel, I felt like people didn't care about other people. Um, right. And I would even say, what's rule number one? I, I was, I was almost cynical in it. And I, what's rule number right. one? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. That's mm-hmm. how I was living. And then I had thousands of people outpouring their love, their prayers. I had volunteer firemen and EMTs climbing into my truck to save my life. I had my best friends circle around me and pray. They've never prayed in their lives and praying out loud with one another. All of this for me, that's God's love. And that reinstilled that that feeling of, you know, what we've been given is is God's love. And if, if all we believe, if just our foundational theology is God is love, yeah, that's it. That what they shared, whether they knew it or not, whether they're faithful or not, right. those guys. Right. So, so sitting in that hospital bed, Jared, the fireman, uh, that, you know, that, that snapped mm-hmm. me out. Uh, he came in and visited me after a couple of weeks and um, he brought in a Bible mm-hmm. and he sat down and he goes, now I've got a gift for you. He goes, and I don't know, I don't even know if you're a faithful guy. I don't know, you know, yeah, I watched the show, but you don't know if it's authentic or not, you know? Right, right, right. So I, I took a Bible and he said, I highlighted some of my favorite verses. And he said, and I took a dollar bill for every one of my favorite verses and I paper clipped it onto those pages because at some point everyone needs a dollar bill and you're going to remember that these dollars are in here and you're going to open this book up and you're going to find a highlighted verse and I hope it's something that then sparks you know sparks it in you to to pick up the book for another reason Um, wow dude that's the kind of stuff that just I'm blown away I'm blown away and it doesn't even seem real that I'm telling you this story that right. that happened to me um right I actually have a hard time saying it's my story because it's not it's a story about you know this community of strangers and volunteers and and best friends and family coming together and it's the story of for the first time in my life I felt God's hand and it started a real relationship for me with mm. with our father um, mm. which I, I didn't have before. Um, that's why I'm able to smile through all this. That's why, you know, yeah, it's good. It's all good. Um, it's, it's, oh, it's man. been crazy. Um, I've been able to connect with, uh, the majority of the guys that, that saved my life. I learned that there were over 70, uh, responders that, that helped out on, on my wreck, um, uh, to save my life. And, and the vast, majority of them were volunteers um which is amazing to me you know it, it's it's like a lesson that that happened to me to say everyone cares yeah. tj everyone has god's love so here's the thing man i asked i ask you you know kind of i'm, I'm gonna ask you like what and you just you just laid it out but your you went on a faith journey, like from that 
that day. And the reason I, I ask you the things I'm asking you is because there's probably people listening that have gone through traumatic events, or even worse, they will go mm-hmm. through traumatic mm-hmm. events soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're sharing now is going to help. It's going to help someone. I hope so. Um, whether you know, because the, the natural the natural tendency, and I, I don't know, maybe you maybe you went through this, maybe you didn't, but is is God? Why me? I mean, I was like you said, I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, why why are you making this happen to mm-hmm. me? All right? Did you have any I of did. that or not? Not um, really. It it did hit you? me hard when so obviously I was on just a litany, a barrage of pain meds. Really, oh man, really I can't strong, even imagine pain meds uh, for a long time. And I could tell that they were affecting uh, me, you know, my, my mm-hmm. personality and, and who I am. And I mm-hmm. hated it. Um, and so nobody said, hey, you should slowly wean off pain meds. Right. Um, so I tried to just quit cold turkey. And, and when I did, uh, Yikes. it was a down, downward spiral into a deep, dark depression. And... Yeah, there's something called survivor's remorse uh, that I, I didn't know about before yep. this. Um, yep. I wouldn't say that I had exactly survivor's remorse, but it was almost like I, I know I shouldn't have lived. You know, I don't know. I couldn't find the happiness that I found just by looking at the sunrise. I couldn't mm-hmm. find in anything. And oh. that's when I started to go, why, why am I alive? You know, why, mm-hmm. not necessarily why does this happen to me, but why? You know, is it, is it just so my wife didn't have to go through the sadness of losing her husband? Maybe that's it. And that was, that was as much of anything as I could pull out of it. And what happened at that point, Liz knew it. She, she saw it. Mm-hmm. I didn't sleep. I didn't, there were days that I didn't sleep for, for over 48 hours where it turned nighttime and nighttime turned into morning and morning turned into night and night back into morning. And I had not fallen asleep. Oh and it's just this horrible cycle that, you know, she saw it and she saw that I was, I was losing hope. And I was losing me mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, she reached out to my family and my best friends. And it just so happened to be that it lined up with our fall Turkey season and my best friend, Brady mm-hmm. Miller, um, he came up and he said, Hey, why don't you try to, I got a car. I've got a car here. Why don't we see if we can get you into a car? So Brady scoops me up. We we transition into Brady's little Dodge Dart. Yeah, but how how long? Like how long? I mean, are you are you this able is, to like get along with a walker or something? I was still or? in a wheelchair. Um, okay. I was, I was just now into a wheelchair. Okay. Um, and even that was tough, man. Coming into the home into your house that you've lived in and you're comfortable with, and that whole transition back, dude, that's tough. Um. And so that just added to, to the whole the whole mix. So I'm in a wheelchair. Brady comes. How many over. months? Sorry, how many months after the accident is this? We are about one and a half months out. One only one and a half. Uh, so <laughs> this is this is uh, you oh know this gosh, is dude. like the first of October maybe. Um, and uh, 
you know, oh, I couldn't. That's I couldn't. Insane. I originally was supposed to go to an outpatient physical therapy, you know, a place to learn how to walk again and and all that. But yeah, I, they couldn't accept me because I was only I only had one limb that was weight bearing. Everything else was broken. Um, so the facilities couldn't take me, so they had to send me home. And we had God. we had physical therapy and and occupational therapy. Somebody came to the house. Um, so it was, dude. You're right. There's challenges that I even I forget about. You know, at this point, I've never written it down. You know, I've not yeah. ever. It's just there are things that I don't, you know, mm-hmm. ever forget now, um, yeah. or I, I gloss over. But um, yeah. so yeah, we're only a month and a half out of this thing um in a in a wheelchair um but dude the things that that you go through that you don't even think about you know so there's the mm-hmm. there's the challenges of going through mentally okay am i gonna walk how's it gonna be to learn to walk again how's all this but dude this this might be a little too much sharing but you know you marry your wife and and she is she's my angel yeah. she's my everything and there's yeah. a there's a level of i share everything with her but mm-hmm. there's also a little filter that I don't want mm-hmm. my wife to see and I don't want her to have to experience. And yeah. we passed that early on in this in this whole journey. Um, you know, dude, think about it. I'm not able to function anything from the waist down. So yeah, they can't I get know. a bedpan under me. They can't get, I can't, nothing. So she has to take on that role. So that all is just building on this whole, dude, I'm not me anymore you know yeah um so that whole depression yeah. and and having everybody around and she was she was incredible we made it through that you know and we're obviously mm-hmm. stronger for it um yeah but to to have it firsthand it's you never yeah. ever would ever expect it to happen or to have to go right. through that um right so she ended up reaching out to brady she was the one that said brady i need your help um we gotta we gotta we gotta get him back um mm. So he he came up and I was very apprehensive to dr- to try anything, um, you know, even going outside, even to take my wheelchair outside. Or, mm-hmm. dude, I was so so nervous about anything because there was so much pain. Um, and and he yeah. came over. Um, I I wasn't warned about it, so I didn't have enough time to to worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. He said, "Hey, let's go. Uh, let's see if we can get you in the car. We can drive down the road and maybe get some ice cream." And um, Brady and I jumped in together and went for a trip and, uh, you know, he drove, I feel like he only drove five miles an hour, uh, which was yeah. good because there was anxiety. He didn't want to freak you out. <laughs> right. So <laughs> don't, we, don't get behind any dump trucks either. That's right. So, so we built this level of comfort and then he dropped me back off and maybe, maybe two weeks after that, my physical therapist got me into a walker we transitioned from Mm -hmm. the wheelchair to a walker and uh that was big dude big 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 very terrifying you got to think that's two months without putting any pressure on your lower half um and my legs i went from i was 175 i think 175 pounds before the wreck in the hospital, they were pumping so many fluids into me and so much stuff. Dude, I ballooned to like 210 pounds, 207 pounds what? Of, of fluid over overnight. Um, dude, oh, I was man. I was just inflated. Uh, and then when I came out, I I think I dropped down to 125 pounds, I think, um, dropped down Whoa. to. Um, so I just didn't have anything. You know, my muscles just. Whoa. It was rough. I was a skinny nothing. Um so we got that level of comfort. We transitioned into a wheelchair, 
I mean, into the uh, into the walker. The walker, right? And Brady said, "Hey, just so you know, it's fall turkey season." And I'm like, "Hmm, I may be interested in trying to do something like that." So for four days, I worked on learning to use a walker. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't putting any pressure on my lower half by any means, um, mm-hmm. but just learning how to do it. And Liz got me outside, and um, the folks at CAMX Crossbows, they, they know the story. Mm-hmm. They know what happened. Um, they reached out and said, hey, we'd, we'd love to, to set you up with a, with a crossbow. And so Liz took me outside, and we dialed in that crossbow, her and I. I couldn't. I couldn't load. I couldn't. You couldn't load it. I couldn't do anything. So she she helped me through that whole process. Um, and the next day, so four days, I was in a walker. Um, Brady picked me up. He he came up, stayed the night with us. We left in the dark that morning, went mm-hmm. out to a family farm. Yeah. We drove all the way up to where we wanted to set up. I climbed out, you know, into the walker and sat down into a chair. He put a blind over top of me. Sat down next to me. Yeah. And Joey, really, we were doing this more to get outside, more mm-hmm. to get reconnected with right. what fuels me, you know, and what mm-hmm. fuels him and you and, and right, right. just to have that connection. And we had no expectation or even really, honestly, we had pretty <laughs> low hopes we'd even see right. a, a bird that we call a turkey. Right, right, and and at, at sun at sunrise, we had somewhere between twenty and thirty birds come off the roost and drop down into our our little you know our little our little path out front. I've and, seen that uh, episode, dude. Those birds acted like spring birds. It's October. Yeah. It's October eighteenth. Right. It is one month to the date. Two months to the date from the accident from the wreck Mm -hmm. and those birds that's why i say that hunt was scripted by not us those and they they presented us with an unbelievable hunt that should have never worked should have never happened um Mm -hmm. but gave me the opportunity to, to feel what i feel like when i'm alive you know, yeah. so to go from 48 hours before I'm in a deep, dark depression, you know, nobody knows this. They see social media and they see a smiling guy that's happy to be alive. But the reality right. was, dude, this yeah. is dark. This is dark as your shirt. You know, it's, yeah. that's where my head's at to go from yeah. that to reconnected with the outdoors and to have that gift and to be able to smile and laugh and hug and, and cry and, Dude, any look, anybody who has not seen that episode, my favorite part of that episode is your reaction to killing that bird. Because you've killed a bunch of them. A lot of before them. Before that. Oh yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> that that reaction surpassed anything that I've seen in your face in all the episodes I've seen before. Yeah. Because I, I I knew what was going on. Um your reaction to killing that bird was uh it it brought a tear to my eye because i knew the things that you were going through you know at that particular time and to have that happen two months like you said almost to the to the day of the accident to to, you know two months to um i i don't we have to we have to strap my lower body to me to put me in a helicopter so that everything stays together 
to I'm ground checking a turkey two months later. Um, and the dude, Brady, had to lift the, the, the ground blind off of you. And to right. see you go out there with a walker and grab that bird, your reaction to that was uh, – dude, I just – I can't describe it, man. Right. I had, I really, I had absolutely it, I can't. no words. You know, I go nuts anytime, whatever it is. You know, yeah. I go nuts. I flip out. I'm screaming and dancing and just flipping out. Mm-hmm. But, dude, in that in that episode, I think in, – in that hunt, I think that because, because of the way that it unfolded and mm-hmm. the reason why we were doing it wasn't to fill a turkey tag. It wasn't even no. to connect with a turkey. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was in that moment for exactly the right time, for exactly the right reason on someone else's plan. I knew yeah. it. I knew it. And I'd not felt that before, you know? Yeah. If you if anybody listening has not seen that, is that the uh Who's Your Brothers? That's the Who's Your Brothers episode, yeah. 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 You know you wanna know my second favorite part of that episode <laughs> is I think Brady had a turkey come in from his left, like super close, and he thought his arrow just zipped through it. Dude, he was out of the blocks like Jesse Owens. Dude, I've never seen him move so fast and with so much conviction that he killed that bird. He was sure he killed it. I mean, there was no... He was as sure that he killed it as I was that he missed. Dude, I laughed. I mean, it, it was just it it was just golden, man. Just just golden. Oh, jeez. What's um, what has going through that accident done now? Obviously, it's strengthened your faith, right? Yeah. I mean, no doubt. Very much. So. Um, but I, I am sure now that that you're getting requests and just hey, come share whatever part of your story you think that you can share because. People need to know, and, and and so this is why I want to go into the detail that we went to on this podcast, is because when you're when when you are in a place where there just is no light, right, um, and you're thinking, I, I just I don't know, I don't deserve to be here, or why me? That's why I asked you that question. Mm-hmm. Um, you can overcome. You can absolutely persevere and overcome. Um, dude, you are living proof of that. And I'm quite sure you're getting requests now that, hey, man, can you come tell your story? Right? Yeah. So, you know, through this, I've, you know, I've kept it very, for the last even year, you know, I've kept it very black and white. You know, some right. hundreds of people have asked me what happened. Yeah. And I, it's always been very black and white. It was, you know, I had a wreck with a dump truck. I rolled down the highway 165 feet, broke all my bones, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was just very, and not until. Very generic, right? Very generic. Um, yeah. That's kind of how, I'm a very emotional guy, but I don't yeah. I don't talk about the emotional side of, side of stuff much. Um, so it's right. taken me almost a year and a half to really process what's happened and to have some confidence behind sharing. So today talking to you, Joey, this is mm-hmm. the first time I have verbalized mm-hmm. the emotional, faithful, mm-hmm. any of that with, with anyone. 
um, there's there's some stuff that I still haven't shared. I've not shared with yeah. anyone. You know, I go to mm-hmm. see a counselor for PTSD. I go to see, you know, and I talk to as many people as I can. Um, dude, there's some stuff that I don't, I haven't shared yet. Um, right. But I'm to the point that I'm ready to. You know, I'm ready yeah. to because I know, like you said, there's somebody out there that has either gone through it or will go through it or – you know, whatever the case is, um, that I think that I can, that I can help, um, and inspire and, and, and help them maybe with some tools to, to get, get through what they go through. Um, yeah. you know, one, one little tangent that, that happened that I have to share with people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it gave me, it gave me some, you know, some level of confidence to, and and some motivation to start exploring my faith and start exploring you know the right. stories of Christ and and that but i've never had i just haven't had the push even through this mm-hmm. and you started a ministry an online ministry through revelation um mm-hmm. where you were sharing stories of uh, yeah. you know on facebook live yeah and i'll never forget it i was actually mowing i was mowing the yard and this was just last summer I was mowing the yard, mm-hmm. and, and one of one of the ministries that that you did, one of the the evening sessions, mm-hmm. um, was about Job. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't put me on the spot because I'm not going to be able to quote any of this stuff even remotely <laughs> accurately. But what happened? You you told the story of Job, mm-hmm. and my interpretation is, you know, I think people can interpret stuff differently, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you told the story that essentially my take is that Satan went to mm-hmm. to God or went to Christ and said, mm-hmm. you know what? I think if we take everything away from Job, I think he's going to turn to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And God said, okay. Okay. I think, I think you're wrong. Uh, let's put him to the test. And yep. they stripped everything that he knew away. And rather than him, turning to the darkness he saw it as a gift and his love and relationship with god mm-hmm. grew even stronger yeah and dude i'm mowing my yard out here <laughs> and i've got tears rolling down my face going dang man you know i know what job went through was something drastically different yeah but what I knew as my life, happy-go-lucky, going day in and day out, living what I know as the way I should be, I my life wasn't taken from me. Right. But what I knew was the right. ability to walk. I sat and right. I laid in a bed for months. I laid in, in a chair for months. I didn't sleep. Everything was taken. It was a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. But what I knew from life was taken to, from me. And instead of turning to that darkness and, and mm-hmm. say, why me and poor me and this and that mm-hmm. and pointing fingers and pointing right. blame and whatever, God gave it to me as a gift. And when you told that yeah. story, that gave me another push to go, you know what, I need to check out this Bible thing. You know, I, I need to, there's some stories that, that... I can, I, I can relate to now, you know, before it's their accounts from somebody else that I couldn't even believe. 
And right. now I go, whoa, uh, that's that's a story that I can I can relate to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, number one, thank you for that because I don't even know if I've been able to say thank you for that. But through oh, these things, you know, and giving me the confidence, you know, to say these things out loud, um, right. I'm saying bring it on. Um, and so, yeah, man. you know, there's a, an organization in, in southern Indiana that reached out to me and asked if I would speak um, and share my testimony uh, at, at a banquet that they have coming up. Actually, actually this Sunday. Yeah. Um, so... You know, to say I'm nervous, I'm not nervous. You know, I'm never nervous to speak. Um, I don't know how it's going to be to be in front of a group of however many people there are. I don't care if there's 10 or 100 or however many people. But to share mm -hmm. what I shared with you. Because right now, mm -hmm. yeah, people are going to listen to this, but it's you and me talking, you know. Right. Um, right. So we'll see how that how I handle it. I'm positive I'm going to break down. I'm positive I'm going to have very emotional things. No, you will. I do, and I've spoken in front of I, – I don't – I stop counting how many wild game dinners and things like that that I've spoken yeah. at, and I can't. I mean, when I – so do you have kids? Not yet, no. Okay. No, my wife and I tried for a long, long time, uh, and then yeah. obviously the wreck delayed. You're right, right, right. You know, right, right. Uh, but we're, we're um, back on the wagon and trying again, so. Yeah, good. Um, what something happens to you when you bring another life into the world that if you're if you're if you're looking for it you'll catch it and that is for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son John three sixteen so when I think about the cross and. It's, it's this thing where I would give my life readily for one of my kids. No doubt about it. Not even thinking about it, right? Um, would I sacrifice one of my kids to save somebody else? Negative. No way. Would I sacrifice my kids to one of my kids to save the entire world? Doubtful. No way. Would I sacrifice one of my kids to save um, <clears throat> uh, a drug dealer or a pedophile or just as bad, a sinner like myself? No way. But when I picture that that's exactly what God the Father did for me and for you, and then this whole other thing opens up, it's like, because then, if I'm thinking that, then I think about one of my daughters on a cross. And everyone hates her, right? Everyone's spitting on her, and they, they're cursing her. And she, uh, you know, she, she loves them, and they just want her dead. And, you know, with her last breath, she says, Father, why have you abandoned me? Mm -mm. No way. Try and tell that story in front of a couple of thousand people. Dude. No way. It's like... It's impossible. I right. barely did it just now. And I've said it, I can't tell you how many times. Right. But that is the truth of the cross. Right. It's not about religious ritual. It's not about if you're a good person or you think you're, I think you're a great guy. doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. It's do you believe that man was created perfect, but by Genesis 3 we had screwed that all up, right? 
And God says, you know what? You can't come to me anymore because of what you've done. But I've got a better idea. Stay there. I'll come to you. And he did that through Jesus. And, you know, Jesus lived a a sinless life and was nailed to a cross, crucified, died, and was buried. Took on all of the sin of the world in like three hours, past, present, and future. Um, Was crucified, died, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again so that those who believe what I'm telling you and telling whoever's listening, those who believe that will rise also and spend eternity with him in glory. Um, that's the whole book, dude. That's John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that those who believe will, will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And so... Yeah, dude, it's it's hard, man. It's, a big, it's rough, big dude. I'm telling you. Any, any anybody anybody that thinks, "Oh, I'm going to be a Christian, man. Everything's going to be good and it's going to be easy." Right. Yeah, good luck with that. Right. Good luck with that. Um there's a guy, I don't know if you know the name Doug Hampton. Doug um was he's got a show now, The Rival, uh with mm-hmm. a couple of great guys. Mm-hmm. Um and Doug, he reached out to me 2 years ago. So at 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 the ATA 2 years, not this most recent right, one, but the year right. before. Uh and said, "TJ man, you've got one heck of a story. Um if you ever consider doing wild game dinners uh or speaking, I I can help you out." Um he's done a bunch and and mm-hmm. you know, kind of encourage that. I obviously wasn't ready, you know, mentally, not because I was nervous about it, but just I hadn't processed. You got to sort, yeah. You, you got to sort that out in your own time, to. man. Um, and he reached out to me uh, when he found out that I was doing doing this one, right? And number one, he said he was proud. He was proud to see that you know yeah. I've, I'm I'm answering to that calling. Yeah. Um, but number two, what what really hit me was he said, TJ, just remember, keep it simple, yeah, and remember what you share could save someone's eternity could change someone's eternity i've always thought of that as you know what yeah i could i could say you know i could change somebody's life i could save somebody's life by absolutely by inspiring them or whatever but dude just took it to another level when he says you could change someone's eternity which is a lot longer dude (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm a little more comfortable going i could change somebody's life (laughs) you know yeah what is coming up new on the on the virtue? Because your season's about to get started, right? Yes, it sure is. Yeah, so we kick off uh, March twenty eighth, which is not very far away. Uh, but we'll kick off our our turkey season. We've got a couple of really special hunts uh, that we ended out two thousand and eighteen season with. So we'll kick off uh, mm-hmm. with two episodes from last year. Um, but then we are hitting the road full swing. So Philip. I think it, it seems like it's Philip's mission every year to hit all 50 states. Uh, it is not mine. I'll, I'll start off in Kentucky uh, mm-hmm. and do a, a hunt with the bros. Um, mm-hmm. And then same with back here in Indiana. So we'll do another Indiana, obviously our home ground. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I may do one more hunt after that, but I'm not I'm not sure. Um, I don't know yeah. where, where – I, I may end up running over to Illinois. Um, I did yeah. get drawn, but Illinois seasons are funky. Um, mm-hmm. so depending on what we got going on personally, um, I'd like to try to jump over to, to Illinois and do a, do a hunt over there. But, um, 
one thing that we may try to launch this year is Prime Video. So you're familiar with Amazon Prime. Um, mm-hmm. We may also launch on Prime Video, which is just another place for us to, to you know, for people to access us. Another easy right. one for us, um, which would be cool. You know, it's just, like I said, just another place to get our mission across. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll take the summer months off, um, which <laughs> I say off, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, I um, do. And then uh, we'll uh, we'll do the fall. One thing that we're kind of dedicated to doing more of is you know, those hunt camps where we're able to share that fellowship stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, we did uh, a big Nebraska and Montana hunt where, gosh, we it seemed like everybody we knew, um, we joined us in hunt camp. And it was just, mm-hmm. dude, those were, that's where real memories are made. Yeah, um, for me, it's not about the animals. It's about, you know, it's about these memories and the times that we get to share together. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, we have a few of those planned up. Um and then going from there, but right now, unofficially, Philip and I, behind the scenes, are actually considering doing an African hunt, uh, 2020. Um, Whoa! I've never even really considered it. You know, I've not really been the one to say, "Boy, it's bucket list to go to Africa." Yeah. But right. you know, it's one of those things. I'm not about material stuff. I'm about the experiences and the memories and. If we can go across the world and experience Africa, yeah, you know South Africa, and and do what we love on someplace completely unfamiliar and make mm-hmm. lifelong memories with our best friends, dude, I'm all for it. So that's Roger something that. that we're trying to plan out right now, um, logistically yeah. how that, how that would work. Uh, huh. But I think. Dude. It, just going to Kansas for us is right. like a logistical nightmare, dude. Right. I don't even want to think about going to another continent. <laughs> well, that's why we're talking about it in, in March of 2019. Yeah, no um, kidding. You know, it would be something probably June or July of 2020. Um, but it just takes that long to, to plan. So No doubt. You know, we're going to keep doing what what we're doing and, and same, you know, yeah, same man. mission as, as we are. But, um, you know, just always trying to, to continue challenging each other and and trying to inspire folks to, you know, to challenge themselves as well. And, um, it's a lot of fun. We're having a blast doing it. That's for sure. Well, what you shared with us, um, this evening, and I'm so glad you were able to come in and do it. Uh, but what you shared with us this evening is definitely inspiring. And anybody that, even if, if you have gone through a traumatic experience or if one's come, even if you haven't just to count your blessings that God doesn't need, um, to to radically change to to radically interrupt your life to get you to say for for you to for him to say look at me and listen to me, right? Um, what you shared this evening, dude, just is is mind blowing, and I want you to know what um, what a blessing it was to to have you on. And if um, dude, if we could kill a turkey together, <laughs> let's make it happen. Let's like I'm not even kidding, bro. Yeah, let's make that happen. <laughs> we need to compare calendars and make our paths yeah. cross so we can so we can make no this doubt. happen. No doubt, man. Hey, look, I'm gonna let you jump. Um, did we miss anything that you want to cover? No, I. You know, the one thing, just a little takeaway that that mm-hmm. you know I I've learned through this whole entire process. You say people, mm-hmm. you know, you you you're encouraging people to try to listen and. And you don't have to go through something like I did or, or whoever to, you know, to be able to grab a hold of that hand. 
Um, but the one thing that I did learn was, you know, God doesn't constantly call to us. He's not He's not the one saying, hey, turn to me, turn mm-hmm. to me, turn to me, turn to me, turn to me. But the devil is. I, I've, I've yeah. felt that through this whole journey. Um, and it would be so easy to turn that way and just give in to that little tap. Yeah. But instead to go, you know what? I'm going to choose Christ. And, yeah. and when you acknowledge that and go, holy smokes, you've been there the whole time. And you've just yeah. been waiting for me to acknowledge it and to embrace it. Embrace you back, you know. Uh, it's pretty powerful. It's pretty pretty enlightening. So that's, you know, I would just remind people that, that that's happening every single day. Uh, and, and we have the option of which path, you know, which path we take. I um, I've got nothing to add to that. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing, brother. This was my pleasure, really. I I very much enjoyed it, and I feel like we yeah. could go on for yeah, man, eight hours doing this stuff. But yeah, dude, we it, probably could. It's so much fun, and, and yeah. I really do. I I appreciate it, and you inspire me, and and give me strength to do you know to do what I've done tonight, uh, and share other people. Oh. I I get strength from what you do too, so I appreciate well. it. It's um, I will quote scripture, not me, but Christ through me. So, um, you know, dude, again, thank you. We love you like crazy, brother. Keep uh, <laughs> keep on fighting, man. When you hurt, know that we're praying for you, and we love you, and we can't wait to see you, man. I appreciate it, brother. Let's get on a turkey hunt. Man, what a story of faith and determination and perseverance and absolute victory. We appreciate TJ for opening up his heart and having the courage to uh, relive just a a horrible, horrible experience. He does it for your benefit. Understand, if you've gone through times where you felt like giving up, uh, maybe you're going through one now, or maybe you'll face something like this in the future. TJ told his story for you. Uh, Remember that. I want to thank TJ for coming in and spending uh, time with us. Make sure you follow The Virtue on social media and on Carbon TV. Uh, Shoot TJ a message. If his story resonated with you, let him know. He'd love to hear from you. Uh, Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all again on another episode of the No Limits Podcast. Bye-bye, y'all.